Now, Peter and John went up together. Look at somebody and say together. Something happens when two or three gather in his name. There's a door that opens. There's a valve that's released. Something takes place in the supernatural when two walk in agreement. That's why it's so important to be equally yoked in business, equally yoked in family, equally yoked in marriage. Because when two of you make up your mind, there's nothing you can't do with God in your life. The word says one can turn a thousand, two can turn ten thousand. Just the power of agreement. They have determined the pulling force of an oxen, and uh, it's actually it's actually a it's, it's actually a formula in in math how much energy an ox can portray. And when they hook up another oxen to it, it doesn't double; it quadruples, four times the strength. I don't explain that. Can't, I can't explain why a hummingbird and a bumblebee flies, but it does because God said it, to, it does. So there's something that happens when we are in agreement. The fact that you're here this morning, there's two or three of us, that means God can do anything he wants to do in the service this morning, and we allow him. They went to the hour of prayer being about the ninth hour. This is uh, the third hour is, is 9 o'clock in the morning, so this is afternoon prayer. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they led daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. This is a homeless guy. He's been homeless his whole life. From his mother's womb, he was lame. He's never walked. He's never run. He's never enjoyed the ability of that. And it looks like his entire life, he's laid by a gate where people go in, and people go out, and he's panhandling. He's asking for money. He's asking for resources to feed himself and to take care of himself day by day. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Peter and John's going to the church to pray. This guy sitting at the gate sees them and asks them for some help, asks them for some money. And Peter fasting eyes upon him with John said look on us and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them this morning for just a few minutes I'd like to talk about the three levels of expectation and I want to tell you that uh, we're going to look at the Word of God, and I believe we're going to learn some stuff, something that will help us today. But visuals is everything. And everybody knows what it's like to be expecting. When you hear that term, we automatically identify with a mom-to-be that has life in her womb, and she walks around expecting. And I've got someone to help me with this visual this morning to reiterate the the truth of being expecting. And Missy was so kind to come and share her expectancy with us. Can you give her a hand and you can strut a little bit as you walk back? I don't know if this is prophetic, Pastor Todd. No, it's not prophetic. So this is all in the spirit today. So we all know what it's we all know what it means to see a pregnant lady and determine that she is expecting. I'd like Pastor Ron to stand just for a moment. Just stand up just for a moment. And although she is not, she could be expecting. 
he's not as expecting as Missy. Agree? Absolutely not. Don't agree. No. If you're pregnant, you're pregnant. Hello? You can't get any more pregnant. If Pastor Rhonda was expecting, she couldn't get any more pregnant. She's just as pregnant as Missy, but Missy's pregnancy is more visible. In other words, what Missy is believing God for and believing God to do, it's right on the threshold. It's almost there. It's about to burst forth, and she's about to see the promises that God has given her. Pastor Rhonda, too, has promises in her spirit, and she's pregnant in her womb. But she's not to the place that Missy's at. Missy is at one level, and Pastor Rhonda is at another. I believe this morning everyone in this house is pregnant. I believe this morning every one of us are expecting. I believe this morning every one of us, God has something for us that he's about to birth, and he's about to reveal, and he's about to share with the world, and you're carrying the seed of the Word of God, the promises of the Word of God, and the power of the Word of God. And I had some fun the past couple of days just, just looking at things that we expect to happen. I laid some of them out here, and I, I want to say I've got here a, a, a CD by Pastor Billy. It's kind of humorous. I went to preach for him a couple of uh, months ago, and I went out to the table, and I asked the girl for a couple of CDs of Pastor Bill that she recommended, and I just assumed that she was going to give me a discount, but she charged me $20 a piece for a CD, and I, I had to chuckle, and I told him later that he had a good girl running his table because she didn't give any discounts whatsoever. But when I took the CDD and I, and I cut the plastic off of it and I opened it, I expected something to be in there. I expected a CD to be in there, and lo and behold, it was. And I listened to it, and I was blessed. When I think about expectancy, I think about this little tiny bulb. It looks dead. It looks worthless. You sure wouldn't eat it. There's nothing that you can do with it. But if you plant it in the ground and give it a little while, it sprouts. And lo and behold, if you water those sprouts and take care of those sprouts, guess what? It blooms into flowers. So this, this, this is the, the, the finished product of something that was pregnant. This is in honor today of Leanne. Her mom went to be the Lord two years ago in February, was it not? And you know what is so ironic? In my garden, daffodils are always the very first thing to bloom. And this is a prophetic word for you. When the Lord returns, the first thing you'll see is mom. Mom will be with him riding a white horse, and you have that promise that God has ordained. Don't you love the Lord for his goodness and his mercy? When I think about expectancy, I think about this debit card. I don't have a, de a credit card. We stopped dealing with credit a long time ago, uh, but we have a, a debit card. And usually nine times out of ten, this debit card does not let me down. Every once in a while, can anybody relate you think you have more than you really did, and you go to use a debit card, and you hate the words when they say, we're sorry, your card was declined. We, we immediately get an attitude and act like there's something wrong with the machine, and there's something wrong with their, their stuff. Well, bless God, I'll just pay cash for it. I'll show you, do I have a friend in the house? But most of us, I, most of us that have a card, when we extend it, we expect something to happen to that card. I'm looking here at this. Uh, uh, this is, how many knows what this is? Anybody? This is a golf course fishing pole. I carry this in my golf bag. I'm a lousy golfer, but 
that if I go to a golf course that has some pretty good-looking lakes, I got a lure I tie on here, and I toss that sucker out there, and I start reeling it in with the expectancy that something is going to grab that lure, and I could possibly catch a fish while I'm golfing. Do I have a friend in the house? Here I have this morning with me, I have a putter. You drive for show, you putt for dough. I'm a lousy driver, but I'm a pretty good putter. But there's expectancy when I take this club and apply it to the ball and whack it however I whack it, I expect that ball to go in the hole. Do I have any other dreamers with me in the house that many times you've prayed that God would allow your putt to hit? Do I have any golfers in the house that can relate? And then this morning as I came into the house of God and I saw James, I expected James during the offering to give me a piece of gum. Because every single Sunday that I don't believe I've ever, Pastor Todd now gets one, Pastor Ronnie gets one, it's what James does. We have come to expect James when he comes to be a blessing. He hands us a piece of gum, which later I will chew. And then I think about some other things I had here in expecting. Oh, yes, this arrow. Now, Jay is more effective with the arrow than I am, but I was effective this year. I aimed this arrow at something and actually hit it. Actually last, actually, last year, I aimed this arrow at a turkey, and I actually hit the turkey. How cool is that? Those of you that are lovers and you hate people that eat meat, I will expound on what else I harvested with that arrow. But I, when I pull that bow back, when I pull that trigger, I expect that arrow to hit at what I'm aiming. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? When I look at my pocket, and I look at this, I believe I have a, I believe I have an ink pen in this pocket. Oh, I got something in my pocket, more important than this phone. I expect when I call on this phone, I expect you to answer. Anybody relate? How many ever make a phone call with no expectation of someone being on the other end? This phone has a, it has a weather thing on it, and I can determine whether it's going to rain or not by that weather app. This thing has Google on it. It has Siri. I've asked Siri all kinds. I asked Siri out for a date. I asked her if she was a boy or girl. I mean, I've had a lot of fun with Surrey on my phone, bored, obviously, with nothing else to do. But I expect Surrey to give me some kind of answer. And she does answer. Every, I asked her who the Antichrist was, and she gave me reference to the Antichrist. So you, you, when I use Surrey, I expect to receive some kind of response. And when I dial your number, I want you to answer. And when you don't answer, I get irritated. I get an attitude. I don't want to text. I don't want to inbox. I don't want to Twitter. I don't want to Instagram. I don't want to face chat. I don't want to Snapchat. I want to talk to a living person on the end of this phone. Does anybody agree with Pastor Hank this morning? Are you that text that you, you look at your phone and you know it's me and then you text back and say, sorry, I can't talk. I'm, well, you had time to text. Hello. It takes more time to text than it does to anywhere. Just sharing some of my, my frustrations. And then when I think about some of the some of the other things I had here in my pocket. Are you okay? <laughs> I, I, and, and you know what? I don't, I don't resent it. I've forgiven your people what you did to my people. I'm okay with all of that. But, I mean, how many remembers when there were actually phone booths? You know, you've never seen a texting booth. You've never seen a MySpace booth. You've never seen an Instagram booth. No, it's a phone booth. There's a reason for it call and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God's not into texting. God's not into Instagram. 
God said, if my people will humble themselves and call upon my name, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. God's into phones, people. He's not into texting, or he's not into, into uh, uh, what's the mail, the uh, email. People say, what's your email? I said, why do you need my email? Just call me, and I'll talk to you. you, you we bypass all of that email, all that meal stuff. I have here in my hand a pen. And this morning when I took this pen to the office, I expected this pen to work. And guess what? When I went to write with the pen, it really did work. And then the last thing, or the second to last thing I'm bring to your attention are these keys. Keys re represent responsibility. I hate responsibility, so I've tried to limit my keys. My keys are limited to the house, the church, and, and Courtney's storage locker. That's the only keys I have on here that are important. But there's something about that key. When I stick it in the lock, I expect it to open the door. Anybody else? You push the remote on the garage door, you expect it to open. And, and so we actually live a life of expectancy. We're, we're always expecting something to happen. This guy was in trouble. This guy was, this guy was settled into the rut that he operated in his whole life. He was lame. He could not get a job. They didn't have computers those days. There were no office administration. It was all labor. There was no labor he could do. And he saw something that day that changed his life. When he saw Peter and John walking, he expected to receive a few rubles or a few pesos or a few whatever, a few what, whatever that, that currency was, the denarii in that day. But when he looked at Peter and John, Peter had a lot more to offer than what he was expecting. And when they said, when he asked for alms and Peter said, look at us, he looked at them expecting to receive. Are you expecting to receive anything from the Lord today? Are you here for a purpose? Are you here for a reason? What does God have for you that he needs to bring you to the house of God to teach through, through praise and prayer and worship and the message that God is thinking about you? God has something for you. And it might be okay if we just kind of slow down to take the time to tell God some of the things that we want. Not just need, but some things we want. How many, how many knows that God answers prayer and God listens and God is paying attention? Gene, if you'll help me real quick. This message this morning was, was inspired by a testimony that Gene shared with me uh, Monday, Monday or Tuesday of last week. You, you, you tell what you want to tell of it. Good morning. <clears throat> um, it seems like my whole life uh, I've been really good at um, hurting Layla, for instance, this is what this is about. Um, the things I do sometimes are like, oh, it's not a big deal, but to her, uh, it's a major deal. And um, so I had a situation come up, and um, I could tell Layla was, was really hurt for about two days. Um, she just wasn't herself. So as I watched this, um, in the wee hours of the morning, I'd wake up and look over at her, and I would go to God. Pray the most earnest prayer I could pray. Um, this wound that she had wasn't self-inflicted. You know, it, it was something that I had caused, and and I felt you know all the responsibility and, and all the hurt uh, that a husband could feel for his wife. So I prayed the first night, and um, when I pray, I really expect. Um, it's what I read is it's what Christ done and what He completed and the finished work at the cross that is what makes these things happen, these healings and stuff. 
and you know that it's not me so I'm the first one to say God you're you're the one you know even though uh, you know all my words and beautiful things that I can say compare to nothing to who you are so as I lay my heart out to God I wake up the next morning and um, I watch the leader for an hour or so and you know no result so I go throughout the day night comes again I wake up in the wee hours morning, 3 or 4 o'clock. I look over at her, and I begin to pray again. So uh, just to make a long story short, um, the prayer that I prayed was um, for Leela to have joy and happiness again. And um, so I pray it that night. Um, the next day, um, Leela's up, and I see her moving around, you know, talking. I see a little difference in her. So, you know, I'm just hoping but she comes over about two hours later and reaches it to me and um, she had no idea what I'd prayed, she had no idea that I even prayed she was asleep I have joy in my heart and happiness in my soul because I know my God is in control uh, now watch his never ending blessings begin to flow begin to flow because I have joy in my heart and happiness in my soul. I prayed for joy and happiness to the T's exact word. And then she comes and reaches. So, I mean, I'm blown away. I'm humbled by it. And I, I shared it with Pastor and he said, uh, Gene, what does this, how does this make you feel? What does it make you want to do? I said, uh, scared and uh, <laughs> no. He said, um, prompt you to pray more. So, that's it. Thank you. It's our testimony that overcomes the enemy. The enemy is a thief and a liar, and he doesn't want you to receive anything good. He doesn't want you to have any trust in God. He doesn't want you to have any faith in God. But Gene prayed, and, and really, I don't know necessarily that he was expecting the next day for God to answer his prayer, but it was a prayer offered. And I want to encourage us, and I've encouraged this church the past several weeks, is that, is that when you operate in life, expect God to do something to bless that life touch that life. I've been going to the mailbox every day this week only to find out that Pastor Rhonda beat me to it and we prophesied over our mailbox. We prophesied over you know why? Because I have a lot of faith. I, I have a lot of expectancy in this. When I sow, God tells me I'm going to reap. And when I sow cheerfully, God tells me I'm going to reap cheerfully. I believe in the things of God. I believe in sowing the things of God. I believe in the church and what the church does. I believe in planting good seed. Because let me tell you something, you would never have this if you didn't plant this. Let me reiterate, you would never have this. You would never have a turkey if you didn't shoot this arrow. You'd never have a phone call if you didn't use the phone. So in, in everything that we do, I've learned in life, most of us have more confidence in Burger King than we do in God. And Burger King several years ago came up with the motto, uh, have it your way hold the pickles, hold the lettuce special orders, don't upset us uh, have it your way at Burger King and so a lot of us will go to Burger King and we'll pull up to something we, somebody we can't see in this little box and we assume or we expect someone there to be listening and so we tell them yes I want a Whopper, I want you to hold the mayonnaise, put extra pickles on it I want onion rings and I want a large Coke 
and then the voice comes back and says, would you please repeat your order? What do you mean? I just told you my order. Would you please? What, what, are, you, what are you doing back there? Hello? Does that, ever, does that irritate anybody at all except me? It's like, would you please, especially when I've really done a real order, like a Taco Bell special, will you please repeat your order? And so my is, hello, are you ready? Here I come. I would like a Whopper, hold the mayonnaise, put extra pickles on it. I want onion rings and a Diet Coke. And then the voice comes back and says, okay, you want to, and you want, and then you want, and is, is that all you want to order? You're, you're going like, should have went to Taco Bell. Should have went to Taco Bell. But there, there's a trust. There's a, there's a level of expectancy. There's a level of performance that we place on others when God wants us to place it on him. How crazy is that? That he actually lives and moves and, and is what he is so that he can bless us and, and, and bless us as a father blesses his children. The three levels of expectation are found in Matthew 7. 7, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. The three levels of expectancy are ask, seek, and knock. The asking is the level of you know what God's will is, and so you're asking for it. We know it's his will to give us our daily bread. We know it's his will to give us wisdom. We know it's his, his will to give us the desires of our heart. We know it's his will to feed every sparrow, clothe every lily, and if he cares that much about the lily and the sparrow, how much more does he care about you? When you're sick, we can ask God because we know the stripes of his son are for our healing. And to know that, that level of asking and receiving, it's important to read the word of God and see what God's word says about what God has for you. I think there were 30-some-odd thousand promises in the Bible. 30, I mean, that's a lot of promises. That's a lot of stuff that's being stated and been declared that God has said, prove me and see if I won't open you a window and pour you out a blessing and that's not all. I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll bless your land. Your fruit will produce in the time when it's supposed to produce, and everybody will call you blessed. You ever hung around somebody that just seems to be, it doesn't matter what they do, they're blessed. Walk outside, they find a $10 bill. Hello. Their car, they put 80,000, 100 miles on the tires. I mean, it's just like, what, what's going on? And when you, when you pursue the lifestyle of that kind of person, you will learn that there's a trust issue that he has determined. I've been visiting with Donnie the past couple of weeks over some areas, and when it comes right down to it, Donnie and I have decided at the end of the day that we trust God. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed out begging for bread. So there is a, there's a trust relationship that develops that when we talk to God, and we talk to God, it's not just some kind of King James uh, rhetorical, but it is an actual communication that you talk to God the same way you would talk to, well, maybe I better not say that. Hopefully, you talk to God the same way you rightfully talk to your wife. How's that? And hopefully, you talk to God the same way that you talk to your children. How's that? Hopefully, there's a fresh, pure communication there, and it's not about us being needy because we are kind of a people that we don't really want anybody's help. Do you ever notice? Here's the ones that need the help the most have the attitude of, they don't want it. They don't want a handout. They don't want this. They don't want that. But God set you up to be blessed. God set you up to be favored.
God set you up to be spoiled. You are the apple of his eye, and if God has a wallet, your picture's in it. And he's showing you off right now to all the, all the angels of heaven, and that's my son, that's my daughter. Watch what I'm going to do. And God always seems to do more than we ask for. Can anybody relate? It's kind of like, if, it's kinda like if, if Christy says, Dad, can I have $10? Well, yeah, you can have $10, but I got $100. Would $100 be better than $10? Well, yeah, Dad, I'd rather have the $100. Hello? Christine says, no, I'd rather have the credit card. Because cash, there's boundaries to cash. With the card, the debit card, there's no boundaries to the, well, within reason there is. But, but I did try to give Christine money this week because I noticed her... <coughs> have holes in their knees. So I wonder, do we need to get them a new pair of pants? They both have, and they're on the praise and worship team, and I want them representing prosperity and the favor of God, and they're leading us in worship, but the poor kids are wearing clothes that have holes in their knees. And I want to believe, I want to believe those holes in their knees have been worn out by much prayer, that every day they've been on their knees travailing in prayer, and now their knees have worn out. Most of us, if that was up to us, our butt pockets would be worn out and not our knees because we sit. In, and anyway, I'm, I'm off to where I don't want to be. Ask, and it shall be given, is the first level of expectancy. And daily we ask God for things. Daily we ask God for favor. Daily we ask God for promotion. Daily we ask God for business. There's a business in this church that every day I pray that business be overwhelmed with work and they wouldn't be able to finish what they started, that they have the whole week of work. I pray in business from the north, south, east, and west. Every day I pray for the Hope House that God would bless and heal and restore. That's a, that's a daily prayer. The things that daily you start praying for, I'm praying for a friend who spent 17 years in prison for something that he did not do, and it looks like he's probably going to die in prison unless there is a miracle. Every day I pray about that. Well, let me step into the second level. Asking is the first level where we know the will of God. We know it's his will to bless us and not hurt us, but to prosper us and not frustrate us. The second level of expectation is when you're not sure what the will of God is, and that's where you seek. Jeremiah 29, 11, you guys quote it all the time. I know the thoughts I have for you or the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a good end. The very next verse says, then shall you go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So it's not just enough to know that God's thinking good thoughts about us. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So knowing that God, God is thinking good things about us and God is planning good things about us, but it's important for us to follow up on that promise. I know the plans I have for you. Okay, what are those plans? What, are, what is my destiny? What is my purpose? What is my fulfillment in life? What makes me feel good when my head hits the pillow? I had a phone call from a, a, a person that uh, actually, a 35-year-old 30, friend that called me this week, has a very, very good job, a very a good-paying job, but the job is literally wearing her out. It's literally... She said, I don't have time to do the church events. I don't have time to pray like I used to, to read my Bible like I used to. I'm living by myself. I don't have a lot of financial responsibilities. What, what, what do you think? So I just need another opinion. I said, well, you have, 
you have given me three reasons why you need to change your job. I said, just, just, talk, just sharing with me what you're going through is that this job is stealing your time, and you're going to bed every night tired and wore out. You don't have time to do anything you want to do. You don't have a big financial burden taking care of yourself. I would suggest, and I gave her two or three suggestions. Okay, that's where she's at a place where she's not sure what God's will is for her life. So first of all, she's praying about it. And second of all, the Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counsel. There's a, there's a reason why God puts people in our life to encourage us, to counsel us. And I've, I've learned mostly with counseling, if you'll just let people talk long enough, they'll solve their own challenges. If you, let them, if you ask the right questions and let them talk, they will hear themselves sharing the, the solution to the problem that they're in. But we all need someone that we can lean on. I don't remember what rock group saying that. I wish I'd have wrote it. But we all, there, there needs to be someone in our life if Moses had an Aaron and a Hur, and, and Joshua had a Caleb, then every one of us needs someone in our life that they know how to pray, they know how to mind their own business, they know how not to stick their nose in your business, but they do what they're asked. Aren't you glad that we have those friends in our life that we depend upon? And if we don't have those friends in our life, the Bible says if you want friends, you need to show yourself friendly. And that might be you stop texting all the time, and you start picking up the phone. <laughs> Never mind it. I'm on a roll this morning. The third, the third level of expectancy is knocking, and that's when the door is closed, but you know God wants to open it. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I mean, we see a lot of things, we know a lot of things, but wouldn't it be neat if God just took a moment of his time and begin to show us something that we did not know, we did not comprehend, we did not understand. So the three levels are we're asking because we know what God's will is. The second is we're, we're, we're seeking what God's will is. And the third one, the door is shut to us, and so we're opening it. The Bible tells us in Romans 11 and 29, I've shared this every week for the past four weeks, where the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Two things. When God called you, maybe you were at a young age, or maybe you were in college, or maybe you were married, but when God called you and gave you a destiny and a purpose, God knew there would be a bump in the road, or God knew there would be a rut that you'd be stuck in, or a bump in the road that you would lose your footing and you would fall down. When I was a young child, I was very sensitive to, to uh, the move of God. I grew up literally going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and Friday. Our church had a revival about every other month. I, I grew up in the church. I played uh, in the church orchestra. I started off with the trumpet. Then I went to the bass guitar. Then I went to the guitar. Then I went to the organ. And then we got a bass guitarist. We got an organist. And we got a guitar. So I got harmonica, and I started playing harmonica. And believe it or not, we had a guy come to church, start playing the harmonica. So I got the best instrument in the entire world. Would anybody like to guess what that is? A kazoo. You can't believe some of the things you can do with a kazoo. I mean, you can sound like a race car. You can sound like a plane taking off. You can sound like a, you know, the Nirvana or the Grateful Dead. I mean, there's just something about. But that's I, I I grew up in that. I grew up in that in that window. And at a very young age, I was I was tender to the things of God. When I went to college, my freshman year of college, some some things happened. I walked down a path I shouldn't have walked down. There were six years there of not not wasted time but time doing my own thing, living my own life, pursuing my own thing. And in that, I became addicted to four or five things, four or five things that 
had me like, like a hook, had a fish, a barbed hook in its mouth. And then I remember that night that I turned everything over to God and I got, gave God everything. And now I've seen how God has taken from that window to now. God never wanted Pastor Ron and I to get divorced, but yet we have shared our testimony on the cover of Charisma Magazine. We've been on Daystar. We've been on TVN. We've been on other television networks. We've shared our testimony. Channel 12 News came and did a special about our ministry and our church here several years ago. I don't know if you remember that. God never intended for me to be horrifically hooked on drugs. But in the past, and, and I was clean 38 years, February 1st, 38 years, clean 30, February 1st. In the past 38 years, there's not been a few, there's not been a dozen, there's been hundreds and maybe thousands because of Daystar. There's been thousands. I begin to tell them, you can get clean, you can stay clean, and then you can realize God has other things for you than worrying about getting clean or staying clean. I mean, that, 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 that chapter's closed, and now there's a new chapter. God, God knew there'd be a bump in the road. He knew that I'd mess up. He knew that, I'd, he knew that I would fail. But God's not sorry he called me when I was 15, and he's not sorry today because the calling, the calling of God is without repentance. And the second thing, it says the gifts of God are without repentance. When you look at the Word of God, the Word of God says that there are eight gifts that God wants you to operate in, and those gifts are the Word of Wisdom, God wants all of us to operate in wisdom. Hello, do I have a friend in the house? The word of knowledge, and the way you receive the word of knowledge is by studying and reading. There are people here in this room that have the ability to take apart a motor, bolt by bolt, washer by washer, valve by valve, and they can put that back together. There are people here that have the ability to put your car in a rack and, and line up, and we only do this uh, now that Christine's driving and bumping the curb, we do it more often than we usually do. But usually just a little bump in the, bump in the gutter. And there, there are people here that have the technology and the equipment to have your car drive straight down the road so you can't blame your lousy driving on the fact you need a front-end alignment anymore. I mean, there are people here that have written books. There are people here that God has blessed and God has used and God has given them gifts. And one of the gifts God wants you to have is obviously the gift of wisdom. Stop doing dumb things when it rains coming out of the rain. I don't know who said that. They. Who's they? But, but whatever it is, they say, you know, if, if it's raining, it might be smart to come in out of, the, out of the rain. See, you're learning already. You're in here this morning. I was saying the gift of faith. God wants every one of us to operate in the gift of faith. That's praying, expecting to believe. The gift of healing, that when you lay hands on people that are sick, you're expecting them to get well. You're following up on that prayer, and you're, and you're, you're building the foundation of that prayer in agreement until something happens. The gift of miracles. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be able to pray for and see a miracle of God actually happen, right? The gift of prophecy, being able to speak the word of the Lord. The gift of discernment, to know what kind of people you should bring in your life. The gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. All those gifts God wants you to operate in, and God says to seek after the best gift, which obviously is love. We understand that. When, when Jesus went to heaven, God gave the church five gifts. I don't know if you realize this morning, but I am one of those five gifts. God gave the gift of the apostle. God gave the gift of the pastor. God gave the gift of the evangelist. God gave the gift of the teacher. And God gave the gift of the prophet. But in reflection this week, and, and we, were doing some, we were doing some work out at the ranch, and, I, and I'm just watching Gene and his family, and I got to thinking about, and, and Pastor Todd, I have never really, this was, this was a, uh, a revelation to me. 
that as God gave the church five gifts to bless the body, so has God given every single dad in this room. When I look at the, when I look at the gift of apostle, the apostle is the person that brings government. He's the one that brings direction to the family. He's the one that teaches the family, this is the way we're going to walk in. This is what we're going to do. This is the church we're going to. This is, this is this. This is this. That's the ministry of the apostle. And then when you look at the ministry of the pastor, the pastor is to guard his family, to make sure no hurt or harm comes to his children. When you look at the gift of evangelist, one of the greatest joys in my life with Courtney and Christine, I was there when both of them gave their heart to the Lord. It's the purpose of every dad in this room to lead his children to the Lord as early in life as they begin to respond to that. When I begin to look at the gift of prophet, I offer as a prophet. I told Christine, if you don't clean your room, you're not going over to Bailey's house. I prophesied that. And if she didn't, are you with me? Sure. And, and, and we can prophesy over our children. We can pro prophesy success. We can prophesy blessing. We can prophesy straight A's and then help them roll up our sleeves and help them do the, do the work they need to do to get the straight A's. When I think about the gift of a teacher, I mean, I taught Christine how to drive. I didn't teach Courtney how to drive. And so anything she does is not uh, my responsibility. But as, as, a, as, a, as a dad, well, listen, we're going to solve this next Sunday, okay? We're going to buy a new microphone because I'm going to put up with this distraction. I've, I'm going to text uh, Radio Shack and see if they have a, the microphone that we, uh, that we want. But you know what? Things never go. Are we ready to show that clip, Austin? Things never go. And, and I had so much fun uh, yesterday. Um, God, put, God put someone on heart to pray for. And so last night when I saw this clip, I thought about him and his cousin. And I would like to dedicate this clip, if I may, to Jay, to um, Chris, and let's put Donnie in there, and let's put Gene in there. Four guys, are ready to show it? Four guys in a boat when things don't always go as planned. Okay, the boat won't start. They poured in some ether. Redneck, they call it redneck ether. It's bug spray. They, pray, they sprayed bug spray in the motor. Is there any way we can get audio on that? Audio on that? Are we working on it? Let's get, did you see that? Was the, uh, Chris was the first one to fall off. And then Jay was the one messing with the motor. And Donnie was left sitting in the boat, minding his own business. And Gene does a swan dive off the front end of the boat because he's running the trolling motor. And he's going left when the guys are asking him to go right. Well, that not fun. You know, sometimes, sometimes things don't always go as we expect them to. You have a friend in the house the way that we expect them to. Then I think about, you know, I think about when we're asking God, we're seeking God, and then we go into that, that area of, of knocking. And that's kind of where I wanted, kind of wanted to, uh, to close this morning with. It's one minute after 12. Uh, let me just very quickly say about the knocking. The knocking is when you've been presented an impossible dream, an impossible event, an 
a possible experience that it can't happen unless God divinely steps in. And the, the example I want to use this morning was Abraham and Sarah. God spoke to Abraham, told him to leave his family, walk away from his family, and go to a new land. God promised Abraham that his children would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And at 90 years of age, Abraham and Sarah had no children. In frustration, they birthed an Ishmael, but that was just a distraction from your calling, a distraction from your purpose. That's the enemy getting you to settle for something less than what God has for you. Don't ever settle for something less. If God spoke it, believe it, it's going to come to pass. And at the, at the age of 90, God spoke to Abraham and Sarah and said, you're going to have a child. Sarah was 90, and she laughed. And God said, okay, since you laugh, we're going to call your son laughter. That's what Isaac means. And God said, you're going to get what you, you're going to get what you spoke. You're going to have a son. His name is going to be called Isaac. And from his lineage is going to come the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And sure enough, 90 years old, Sarah gets pregnant. I don't know how gray her hair was. I don't know how droopy. Well, never mind. I don't know um, how, how feeble she was when she walked. I'm not sure what she looked like, but she got pregnant. And just as Missy was showing us today what pregnancy looks like, I believe Sarah wore it well. I believe she, I believe she overemphasized that belly sticking out. I believe she wanted everybody to know God promised me a miracle, and I'm living the miracle. God promised a miracle, and I'm living a miracle. God promised your family would be healthy. God promised your business would prosper. God promised that you would operate in gifts and fruits. God, God promised that he would give you dreams and visions, and God promised he would visit you in the, in the early hours of the morning, the late hours of the night, as you begin to look for him and seek him. You look for him and seek him, you're going to find him. Is every head is bowed just for a moment. We call up.